Welcome to the Metro Detroit Christian Church Podcast. Up next, you will hear a message delivered by one of our pastors or guest speakers. We pray that you encounter Jesus Christ as you engage with this message. Here we are. Aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit? I tell you, we can't do this separate from the Holy Spirit. And that is not necessarily understood by the whole church body, globally. But it's a truth that God, in his mercy, has opened to us and is opening to us. That he is not going to execute his plan without the Holy Spirit coming to earth. And without the Holy Spirit coming to a people. So if that is new to you or news to you, then I really encourage you to look, search the Scriptures. One of the things I was, I've said before, I was saved at the age of 15. Before the age of 15, I didn't go to church. And that has some, some good side of it and some bad side of it. The good side of it is I have zero expectation what the church is. I didn't grow up in the church. So what is the church? So my expectation for what the church is, is what, what, is the, what does the Bible say? What does the New Testament say? What did Jesus say, my newly discovered Lord and Savior? What does he say that this is all about? Is it about having tea and biscuits? That was an option. Or is it about, well, what is it about? And he said it's about being clothed with power from on high. That's what he said at the end of the Gospel of Luke. He said, wait, wait a second, here's the plan. You're going to get clothed with power from on high before anything else happens. And that, that is then how the book of Acts starts out with the Holy Spirit being poured out. But the idea of the Holy Spirit poured out wasn't just so that we'd have some kind of religious catchphrases and, and, and expectations of, of a certain type of ser- um, uh, church service. But to come and actually have power released in a people that actually transforms lives, transforms cities, states, nations. Because we are experiencing days of power, are we not? And, and I believe this is more than just a phrase. I believe it's more than just a phrase that we are in. I believe this is the plan of God. This is the plan of God for us to know his power coming to a people. And it comes to his people who are his body. Right? And so there's language that is in the New Testament about who his people are. And, and if, again, if those words either are religious or completely meaningless to you, then talk to a pastor, search the scriptures, but don't just let it go over your head. What is the, 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 the church is described as the body, the body of Christ, of, where he is the head. And you will hear in this assembly the word ecclesia used sometimes instead of the word church. Ecclesia, which means it's, a, it's the Greek word that is translated church. 
And you may, if you, again, if you're new, you might be thinking, why do they keep using the word ecclesia instead of the word church? Two reasons. One, it's the right word. Secondly, no. Two reasons. One is that it breaks you out of your expectation. How many of you were raised in the church? How many of you grew up going to church? How many of you did not grow up going to church? Okay, a few of you, right. For those of you who, who are brought up living and breathing in this nation, you may probably have some expectation of what the church is. And that, let me tell you, is not necessarily formed according to the mind of Christ. It may be formed by your disappointments. It may be formed by your experiences. It may be formed by what you've read, seen, been told. And not formed according to the word of God. This is what Jesus was saying when he, says, on this, when he said, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. The Greek word, he chose that special word that was a, 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 a governmental word from the culture that was to do with a governing body. He chose that word specifically. And it's probably best, best translation probably is assembly. On this rock, I will build my assembly of people who are going to do something. Who are not just going to have tea and biscuits. Because the church isn't about meetings. The church is about doing something. And what you, what you, the second reason that you'll hear Pastor Pete and others use the word ecclesia is the fact that actually there was a very political reason why the word church was put in the King James Version of the Bible. And the political reason was that at the same time, there were nonconformists who were establishing their own assemblies, their own congregations separate from the Church of England. And King James didn't want it to say assembly because it seemed to then legitimize these groups that were coming out from under his authority because the Church of England is under the crown in England. You understand? So he didn't want the scriptures to say, on this rock I build my assembly, because that will be authorizing people to say, oh, you know, that thing that King James is, is running over there, let's try this place where the Holy Spirit's moving, or whatever. Are you with me? You're tracking. Okay. So it gives some, some word of just some understanding. When we say the word ecclesia, it's not just to be modern and progressive, because we don't do modern and progressive. Right? It is, it is because it's in alignment with the Word of God, and, and, and it breaks you out of your expectations of what church is. But we've been experiencing days of power, like last week. How many of you remember last week? <laughs> how many of you were here last week? When I came here at, at uh, probably 10 past 10 or quarter past 10 or whatever it was, there was a portal that opened up, right? Worship had already started, and there was a, there was a group of people right here Worshipping God because, because a portal had opened up from heaven and they couldn't help but worship God. Am I right? And so the Holy Spirit wasn't waiting till 10.30. I expect he's punctual, but generally speaking, he doesn't care in that sense. So he was here at 10 o'clock to pour out worship. And that's what opened up, and then that's what we joined into. So worship was quite different last week. And, you know, sometimes I think we have guests here, 
And they come in and they experience whatever they experience and then they don't come back. And I kind of want to say to those people, if you come back next week, it'll be completely different, you know that. So whatever you didn't like this, this week, you probably won't like next week as well, but it will be different. Yeah, keep coming till you're changed and you might like it. Wow, the mighty right hand. And then last week as well, Pastor Pete, if you remember, coming out of worship, he gave some understanding of what we're experiencing. And he was in in Ephesians 5, and he talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he talked about uh, singing, what does it say in Hebrews 5? It talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I'd never, I'd never distinguished between those three things before. I don't know about you. It all sounded very tuneful, but I didn't really know what the difference was between psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But what Pastor Pete was saying was that there was, what, and what was here, coming in that portal of worship last week, there were the psalms. There was the word of God, because we need the word dimension being released. And there were also written songs. So Pastor Grandis songs, songs, for example, or, or whatever what song it was we were singing. It was actually Jeremy Riddle, was it? Phil Wickham last week. We were, we were singing a written song, a hymn, right? We don't like the word hymn, do we? But it was a written song. So we had psalms, we had written songs, and then we had songs of the Spirit. Spirit was just moving. It was moving you, your spirit to join with him and express something coming out of you that was a, a now word that was aligning the Spirit of God with your spirit and you're, saying, you're singing a spiritual song. And that's what we were in. And it, Ephesians 5 then goes on to say, um, it talks about and giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. So that was what was present with us. So Pastor Pete gave us some understanding of what was here last week. And it was beautiful. But these, um, these days of power, again, it's so easy to have language, but I believe it's a real thing, that we are experiencing power, and that, the first day of power we actually had, that's how Pastor P opened up a cross immersion back in October, he actually read from Ephesians, uh, sorry, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6, and he talked about, that. if you open up your cross immersion manual, first page says a day of power at the, at the top, and it, he was speaking about, it talks about those who have tasted the powers of the age to come. So again, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be you know, charismatic or this is what we do or, or we're in this kind of move of God. The word of God, if you read the word of God, in Hebrews 6, the clear expectation of the writer of Hebrews is that if you're moving with the spirit, if you're, if you're in the body, if you are going to a church, an ecclesia, that's in touch with, with the head, you're going to be tasting powers of the age to come. I'm not making that up. That is the clear expectation of Scripture. The clear expectation of, of the apostle who wrote those words. You'll be tasting the powers of the age to come. And that is what we're in. That is, that is our expectation as well. Because... Things are not going to change in you. 
first of all. And things are not going to change in this state and in this nation without there being power released. So we need these powers of the age to come. As I shared the other week, you know, coming out of, we had, we had that day of power, and then we had, we've had other experiences of the Holy Spirit coming in services, have we not? I mean, we have power this morning here as well, this morning. But people being open to the power of God, that's a really good thing. To come and kick out disappointment, disillusionment out of their lives. And not be shaped by that any longer. So we've experienced that various weeks, actually quite, quite regularly and with quite um, clear demonstrations, let's put it that way, of power, right? And for some of you, that might be a little alarming. You know, for some of us not. But for some of us, it might be even the first time you've experienced such loud screaming, Real deliverance of demons, because demons are real. Again, I'm not doing that because that, I'm not saying that because I think that's the right thing to say. That's the clear. It's the clear experience. If you read the New Testament, the clear expectation are that they're demons and they get kicked out when God's on the scene. And you can have a demon. You can be demonized. You can have. You can be affected by, by, by demons. Even if you have faith in Jesus, those things can still be influencing your life and need to be kicked out so that you can actually come to full wholeness. It's part of being sanctified. And there's no shame in that. It's not, it's, we're all in that process of being sanctified. So we had, we've had days of power. We had, um, we had specifically, we had the day of power in, in, in January. And... Um, that was January 7th, and um, if, you, if you weren't aware, so we, in, on January 7th, we, had a, we invited people to a specifically publicized day of power where we invited conservative um, members of the, uh, the grassroots movement here in, in Michigan, um, other, uh, other, um, you know, other people related to the political movement in the state, conservative political movement, we invited them here to actually, to hear the word of the Lord and and experience power. Because without power, you know, what we, we are, what we are experiencing in our state is spiritual. Right? It is the, the spirit, is the spirit of the world. It is the spirit of the age. It is the, it is the spirit of the power of the air who at work in those who are disobedient, according to Ephesians 2. That's what we are experiencing, and therefore, it requires a move of the spirit to kick that thing out. It doesn't come as much as as much as there is there is there is good to espouse good things on the on the conservative side of the political spectrum. Say, hey, these things are right. These things are right. It needs power to shift. I believe this state. And what, what that's going to look like, I believe, what that's going to look like is coming through his body, coming through his church, of which we are a body as part of his body. We are part of that. The broader body of Christ, what this is going to look like is him coming in power in order to bring people to repentance, to, rep- to bring revival, to turn people to himself, so that young people, a whole generation who have 
They don't even know they've rejected the voice of God. Some of them do. Some of them think they're actually, they're actually standing up for what's right. They, don't even, they, they, don't, they even think they can believe in God as well, as what they're saying. That there's going to be a move of repentance and recognition of who God is. And Caleb, can we bring your, the word that you had from, from uh, your experience of, of that day of power? Hello. So the day of power on January 7th, 2023, was like nothing I've ever experienced before. God poured himself out in such a mighty way. I experienced a wave of revival wash over us on Saturday. One of the things that most impacted me was a dynamic around my sister coming. I was aware that this feeling or sense wasn't just a feeling of love and affection for my sister, but something much deeper. It was a deep groaning for a generation. I saw a generation through my sister. I looked at her and I saw a generation of young people unable to express or hideously expressing wickedness, completely deceived, being puppeted by the devil. There were three times where I looked at her and saw a whole generation and something in me groaned in response. During the altar call, I wept as I saw a generation rush forward, repenting and crying out to the Lord. When we went back into worship, all I could do was stand with my arms lifted as God dumped revival on me, and I believe us. God was pouring out so much power, but as I stood and just let this power sweep over me and through me, I was so aware that it takes a person on earth to give their life for revival to come, for a day of power to come. I cried out to the Lord saying, if it takes a man, then here I am. Here I am. If you need a life, then here is mine. Have all of me, Lord, so that your power can flow out to a generation. As I cried out, the Lord poured out more and more power over me and the whole congregation. Swells of power washed over me, increasing and increasing. I wept and groaned as the Spirit had his way in me. I stood there knowing full well that God was breaking me open for a generation, just as Tony had said. And that this was not a one-time event, but the rest of my life. I knew that the only way for this power to come and transform a state and a generation was for men to stand with holy hands raised, giving their lives to see God move. This is the only way that God is building. Power comes through people because God is not pouring out his spirit apart from men and women. The day of power is not separate from men. So when, when Caleb was saying that about his sister and a generation, how many of you had particular people that came to your mind? How many of you, when he was saying that you want to be that person, here I am, to come to those people? How many, how many of you 
identified with that. Why don't you stand if that's you, especially if, that, if you, have, you have people specifically in mind where you're, you are you're saying, come through me to that person, to these people, these people I know. Just raise your hands. Caleb, release, release what, you, what was in you that day. He's doing it again today, I believe. Yes. I give you what I received. Yes. Because he gave it to all of us. Yes. He's poured it out over this body. Yes. He's pouring out revival over this body. Yes. Receive it. Receive yes. it. Receive it for your sphere. Yes. Receive revival. Yes. Receive it. He wants a person, so receive it. Yes. Receive revival. Receive power. Yes. Yeah. 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 Here I am. Yes, Lord. Here I am. Here we are. Here I am. Yep. Here I am. Yep. Here I am. Here I am. Have your way, Lord. Here I am. Use me. Yes. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Come and yes, save this Lord. person. Come and yes, save this Lord. person. Come and save this person. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> However you want, Lord. Yeah. I don't get to choose how to define my life anymore. Yeah. I give it up. I give it up. Yes. I give all of it up. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, you standing up right now is no small thing. If you don't take this lightly, God won't take this lightly. So the people that you're seeing in your heart, God is giving you. He's giving them to you. This is why he's showing them to you. So I release to you the equipping of the Holy Spirit to be an instrument of salvation, yes. to, be a, to be a weapon, to be a weapon of salvation, yes. to be a weapon of salvation. Thank you, God. Because as, as Caleb just said, God is not coming separate from a people. You can be seated. You can be seated, but I want you to stay in that here I am posture. Can you do that? Because God is not coming separate from his people. If you want the one-sentence summary of what I'm saying this, this morning, God is not coming separate from his people. Because the Son of Man is not separate from his people. And so when we're welcoming the Son of Man, guess what? We're welcoming coming, coming to a people, and it's then through his people that things happen in the earth.
That's, that is, we, how many of you noticed we've been talking a lot about the Son of Man in the last few weeks? Pastor Pete's been preaching on the Son of Man and opening up the Son of Man. And I'm going to be talking again about the Son of Man this morning. Again, let me, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you before I tell you. But what I'm going to tell you is that the Son of Man coming is not separate from you. It just isn't. If we think revival and repentance is coming in days of power because the Holy Spirit's going to show up and everything's going to be okay, we're going to be, sh- we're going to be short of what God wants to do on the earth because he's not going to come separate from his people. So we had that day of power back in, in, in January, and thank you, Caleb, for sharing that. That's powerful, his experience of repentance. It was an amazing outpouring of repentance that we had in the afternoon. For me, that was the highlight of the, of the whole day, was, was genuine anguish of repentance being poured out on primarily younger, younger generation people. Hearing the word of God and responding. Because that's what's going to break open revival. If you, if, I mean, again, we don't want to look to past moves as to set our expectation of what this future move. But past moves of revivals are always accompanied with, with clear repentance. All the way back you know, into, into uh, even the book of Jonah, where they had a revival in Iran somewhere. I think none of us know. I think it's in Iran. You can correct me afterwards. Iran or Iraq. I think it's Iran. Someone correct me. But it's always accompanied with repentance when revival comes. Hello. Yeah? So we had that day of power. And the good news is we have another day of power coming. We have a day of power today. But we have another day of power publicized on, on, which is going to be publicized on, uh, turn the page, it on 4th of March, March 4th, say March 4th, March 4th, another day of power, so for those of you that missed not having an announcement time today, this is the announcement time. We have a day of power on March 4th, and we also have a one-day cross-immersion on April 8th. will be another day of power, April 8th, Saturday. But going back to March 4th, since that's sooner, we have a day of power, and we we have someone called Rob McCoy, Pastor Rob McCoy, coming from California. How many of you have heard of Rob McCoy? Okay. For those of you that haven't, Robert McCoy is a pastor of a church called God Speak Calvary Chapel in Thousand Oaks, California. And uh, he actually was on uh, city council for, for Thousand Oaks from 2015 to 2020. And he was mayor. They have two-year terms from mayor from 2018 to 2019. So Rob McCoy, he was a pastor. He is a pastor. And he was also um, mayor of what is Thousand Oaks, which is a pretty large city in the suburb of Los Angeles. And... During 2020, under, with the COVID restrictions, he came to public um, national um, awareness of him because he was resisting the shutdown very forcibly 
in California and, and resisting it, and he was threatened with various lawsuits, and he had various lawsuits against him, and I believe they were all came out in his favor, I believe, in the end. Because um, he wasn't willing to shut down the church because of what the state was saying. He was more... He was more concerned with what God says than what man says. And God blesses that. And he's also been involved with activating the church recently in the last election, really maximizing uh, the, the, the role of the church in getting people getting out to vote and using ballots, basically taking advantage, if you like, of whatever the progressive laws are around voting in, in California to maximize the church voting. So doing it legally but within, within the laws that are there, right? Maximizing that. And because of that, they, they, had a, they won their region, ran, uh, won the uh, state rep congress, which again obviously was helped win the majority for, that, we have in, that we have in Congress right now for, for, for representatives. So it was significant what he did. So he's going to be here as part of that day of power. Um, we're going to obviously have whatever other words of power are coming, but Rob McCoy is going to be here as well. So that's something to, to plan for being here. It's going to be good. As I was saying, I, I, our ex, my expectation, based on reading the New Testament, is that there's power. What about you? And so we should expect power to be present, not just in church meetings not just in this building. We should expect power to be present in our life. Whenever you gather together, whenever you pray, whenever, whatever, whatever, whenever, right? Some New Testament outpourings of power happened in church meetings. Some of them happened in homes. So don't look to Pastor Pete to be the, the funnel of power for your life so that you're only receiving power whenever you're here and Pastor Pete is here. As wonderful as Pastor Pete and Pastor Lisa are, they are, they, they are our covering and the father and mother of this house. But you are connected to him who is the head. And, and, and that means there's power present for you. And, and God's expectation is for you to have more expectation. Okay, so have that expectation of more power in your life. So, and then I encourage you, we will be having days of, of, of preparation and prayer and fasting for, for those days. Because God, God also wants us to, to have some intentionality and take these things seriously. When we put something on the calendar, this is what you know, God's going to show up. If we, we, we're going to cooperate with that. Okay. Turn with me. Ephesians chapter 1. That was the announcement time. That was good, wasn't it? Pastor Pete last week actually started with this same verse, Ephesians 1.22. Ephesians 1, of course, is a, an amazing chapter, unveiling 
the wonder of who Christ is at the right hand of God and his salvation that he's, 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 he's won for us. And then it ends with this, these two verses, verse 22 of chapter 1. And he, God the Father, put all things under his, who's that? Jesus. Yeah, if in doubt, the answer is always Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed that. So he, God, put all things under Jesus' feet, under Christ's feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, or the ecclesia, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what did God put under Jesus' feet? All things. All things. That's it. It's a done deal. God's done it. And now we're walking out, and you'll see this in, in, in Daniel, we're walking that out, what that looks like in practice. But all authority has been given to him, so all things are under his feet. And we're now l- looking for every enemy, everything to be subject to him, everything to come into alignment with that truth. Sometimes the word comes before you see it. And he made him to be head over all things to something. It's a strange expression. To what? What does it say? To the ecclesia. Good job. To the ecclesia. To the church. To the ecclesia. He, he's been given as the head who is over all things to the church. So we've been given the head. And he has all things. And it's, he has been given to us. So we've been, given, we've been given him who is the head, and it just so happens that that head has all things under him. He has all authority. And that's a gift. We've been given a gift from the Father. Jesus is a gift to us. Say gift. Yes. He's a gift. You're not earning this. You're not working your way up to it. He is given. Does he use the word given? Yes, he gave him. It's a gift. He didn't say he gave it to those people who earned it. He just gave it to his ecclesia, to him to be head over all things. To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, this one, I think, is amazing. What it's saying is that the fullness of Christ is not expressed without you being his fullness. The fullness of Christ is not expressed without you being his fullness. In other words, the, the scripture is saying you are the fullness of Christ. So without you, there's a lack of expression of the fullness of Christ. That's mind-blowing. God the Father describes you as the fullness of him. You're his fullness. You are what makes Christ's expression be full. Now, there's no lack in God. But like Pastor Pete said last week, that Paul was filling up in his body. What was lacking of the sufferings of Christ? There's something about what needs to be expressed in a, in a, 
human expression that is then enabling the fullness of who God is to be expressed. Why else are we here if not to express something of the glory of God? And so the body, the ecclesia, is as, as, as called by the Father. You are, you are called to be the fullness of Christ. Expressing something that is not expressed without you. Expressing something that is not expressed without the ecclesia as a whole. And expressing something that is not expressed without you personally. You're now expressing the fullness of Christ. Is that bending your brain there, Jeff? Yeah. So, he is not minimized at all by us being his fullness. He is not reduced in any way. He is expanded and he is glorified through us. It's amazing. But that's, that's who the body of... That's who the, we should have honor and reverence for what Christ has done to institute the body. Because it's an amazing, it's an amazing revelation that Christ is not separate from his body. Which is why it's called the analogy of... That's why he has the analogy of a body. He is the head. With a body. And we are the fullness of the expression of Christ. And he's not min- he is not detracted, he is not minimized, he is not reduced in any way by having a wonderful body to express himself through because he's the head and it all flows down from him and nothing happens without him. It would not, it, it would not exist without him. He is, he is the source and we are ex- the expression now on the earth. Are you tracking? It's an amazing thing. The relationship between the head and the body. And it says in Ephesians, it, says, it talks about um, Jesus himself nourishes and cherishes his body. As his own body, it says. So there's that mysterious union that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, and it talks about nourishing and cherishing, right? So nourishing, how many of you are in the body? Good. Jesus nourishes and cherishes his body. So if he's nourishing you, if Jesus, if you're in his body, and Jesus is nourishing you, then he's giving you food. He's giving you what you need. Let me tell you, if you don't have a need, you won't experience power in your life. God meets you at your need. So he, Jesus is taking care of his body and is coming to provide what you need. Your physical body, you need food. Yeah. 
I don't want to bring that up at 12.34. But in your physical body, you need food, do you not? And God, so Jesus is coming to give you what you need. And if you don't have a need, it, you should not be surprised if you don't experience power. Because Jesus is nourishing, he's taking care of the needs of his body. Oh God, come and meet needs this morning. Come and meet needs in power. Thank you, you've already been meeting needs this morning. Jesus, I know this is, this is who you are. You come and meet needs. You give us what we need so that we are nourished by you, the head. Thank you, God. He nourishes and he cherishes. In other words, he takes care of. He expresses love towards. He makes sure everything's okay. That's an expression of Jesus to his body. And the picture is, in that case, of his own literal physical body. He's, he's taking care of his, of his body. And Jesus takes, so the picture is that Jesus also takes care of you. That he loves you. So it's important to receive the love of God. Because I tell you, we were talking about revival coming. If you will not express more of God than you've received, you will not be more godly than you think God is. If you don't think God loves you and God's not pouring his heart of love into you, you will find a hard time pouring love into other people. So this isn't just about having a nice feeling and feeling warm. Because you just won't go beyond who you think God is. So you, you need to know that Jesus is cherishing you. He's loving you. He's caring for you. You have to know that. Otherwise, you will fall short in your expression of who he is. So we are, we, that's an example of, of being the fullness of the body of Christ. It's amazing. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 12, says, but this man, who's that? Good, he got it right. <laughs> but this man, Jesus is a man. Wow. I tell you, Jesus is a man. He, he, he went through it all in his flesh and blood, and he overcame all things, and is now seated at the right hand of God with all authority, 
flesh and blood man. A new glorious body, but a flesh and blood man. It's this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, aren't you glad? There was one sacrifice. There's only one sacrifice that counts. There's only one sacrifice that counts. After this, he sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever or matured or brought to completion forever those who are being sanctified or being made holy. And Pastor Pete last week talked about four different phases. I don't know if you remember that. And one of the phases was waiting, which doesn't sound too exciting. But you see here, it says in verse 13, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. And that is the, that's the age of the ecclesia. Say ecclesia. That is the age. This is, that's the church age. That's the age we are in right now where we are waiting. We are waiting for all things to come under Christ's feet. And that's going to come not by us, by us putting our feet up and having a footstool. It's actually going to come by us being his body on the earth. That's how this is going to occur, right? But we're right now in that waiting phase. And unfortunately, that word waiting is very passive in English. It's a, it's a, and so it can make us feel like we don't need to do anything. because Christ is just waiting. It's just like, whatever. At some point, everything's going to come good. But that's not really the sense. It's, it's as much welcoming as it is waiting. You're actually welcoming in what is happening. And when you see it, you say yes. And you, and you want more of it. It's, it's a, it's, it, there's an eager expectation aspect to that word. There's a welcoming aspect to that word. And Pastor Pete last week was talking about movie uh, previews, trailers. Remember that? You know, it's like when a movie comes out, you get the 30-second version longer. Because that's the inbreaking power of what's coming, the age to come, where every, where every, um, uh, every principality and power, every enemy is made a footstool for his feet. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. Right now, we're in the in-between phase. So we're in the, this, this is the opportunity phase for faith. This is, this is faith. In the final day, it's too late. In the final judgment, when Christ comes with a loud trumpet and he's seen by all and comes on the, on the, on the, on the clouds, the time for faith is over. Because everyone's going to see it. So this is the age of faith. And God knows that. And God is gracious to that. God understands who you are. He understands your frame. He understands how you're made. But he's calling you to be part of the body and receive that fullness 
and express the fullness of him in the body, in this waiting phase, even though it's going to look like previews, previews, trailers, previews. There's a, a welcoming of the coming of Christ before the coming of Christ. And that's what we are in. That's what these days of power are about. Because in order for there to be the final day of power, God's going to build up to that. He's going to build up to that through his body, through his church on the earth, expressing greater and greater expressions of his fullness. It's amazing. And God, right now, he is building his body. God is a bodybuilder. Who knew? <laughs> Jesus is a bodybuilder. Jesus right now is building his body. And he's doing it by nourishing it, nourishing it and cherishing it. And other things as well. But he's, he is taking care of his body in order for the body to be an expression of the fullness of him. Are you getting, are you getting this? How many, of you, how many of you actually believe what I'm saying is true? That's good. That's good. That was, that was at least 50%. That's a good start. There's going to be, I tell you, there's going to be greater and greater expressions of the fullness of God. And the fullness of God comes through you. We have this amazing verse here about verse 14. For by one offering, so this is Christ, his death. And for those of you, again, who are newer in, our, in, our, in, this, in this church, I'm going to use the word church, but you'll be okay. You'll survive. For those of you who are newer, you might think, what is your great obsession with death? You're always talking about death. Why are you always talking about death? Because death is the only way into the body. You die with Christ. This is your way in. You don't, you don't make your way on your own to the point where God says, actually, you're doing pretty good now. You can, get, you can come in. We've had a vote. Me and the angels, we've decided you're actually doing pretty good. You're at 63%. That's good enough. Let's come in. You, you come in. That is not how it works. That is not how you get in the body. You get in the body by dying. You, you get in the body by being brought to nothing. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was brought to nothing. And then he was raised to the right hand of the Father, it says in Philippians, so that now he has the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue confess. Right, that's, that's how he got where he is. By being brought to nothing. And you don't go any other way. But there's only one sacrifice that counts. So you have to, you have to go in through his death. And, and you, that may be either very familiar language to you and, and you're crying out, God, make it alive. Or you, that might be very foreign language to you. And you're saying, why are you always talking about death all the time? Let's talk about, you know, God's love and, you know, resurrection life. And you have to go in through the death to have the resurrection life. Yes, 
So the one perfect sacrifice. And he says, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Because it's a perfect offering. If you come in through that one perfect sacrifice, guess what? You're made perfect forever. Because it's not based on you. And his, in, his, in his sacrifice, it says, mysteriously, was before the foundation of the world. He was, he was crucified before the foundation of the world. Because in the spirit realm, it's a done, it was done. It was all, it's outside of time. It's an outside of time act, which means the power of the crucifixion is right here. Just like you were standing under the cross and his, and his blood was dripping on you. The power of the crucifixion is right here today because it's outside of time. Because it's a God-sized act that breaks sin, that breaks the power of sin, that breaks the lies of the devil, that breaks every curse that's been running through your, your family line, that's, 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 that's been whatever that is, alcoholism, whatever. It comes and breaks that. It's, it's the one perfect sacrifice. And so you come in through that one perfect sacrifice. So that means, by definition, you're perfected forever. By definition, you are perfected forever because the basis on which you are coming in is already a done deal. It's not dependent on you. Therefore, you are perfected forever because it's already been done. It already was perfect. God has already said, that did it. Come on in. So because it's already completed, if you come in on the basis of that finished work, you are perfected forever because time's taken out of the equation. And... You right now are living here. And there is a work of the Holy Spirit to make you more of his fullness. To make you an even more glorious expression of the fullness of God. Because at that point that you came in and you died, there were some things at work in your body, in your soul. And God is saying, you are in. You are in the body. What we're going to do now is we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to make you holy. We're going to sanctify you. We're going to make you line up so that you look like Jesus. And that is not of yourself. So right now, you are, if you are in the body, you're one of those who is, are perfected forever and are being sanctified at the same time. This is, this is amazing. But that's the big deal about death. So if, if the word, the fact that we are always talking about death, it really bugs you, good. Let it really annoy you. But don't let it, don't let it go. Look, let the word have its work. Talk to somebody. Talk to one of the myriad of pastors that there are in this church. Talk to us. Talk to your friend. Look at the scripture. Don't, don't just go on what you knew growing up. If it bugs you, if it annoys you that we're always talking about death, then keep going until you find out what that means. Okay. For those of you that like points, number one was we're the fullness of the Son of Man. 
Number two was, we are waiting with the Son of Man. People are grabbing pencils now. Even if they weren't making notes, they want to have the three points. Number three is that we are reigning with the Son of Man. Turn, turn to Daniel, chapter, guess what, seven. Daniel 7 is a vision that comes to Daniel, who's a, a prophet in the Old Testament. He was in Babylon at this time. I can't remember the exact date. It's probably about 500 BC, that sort of time. And this is describing a vision he had by night. So this is something that he saw in, in um, a vision. And some of us are getting quite familiar with this chapter. But you know what? God's still speaking. So let's jump in at verse 9. This is him describing what he sees in his part of what he sees in his vision. His previous to this, he's seen some beasts. We'll skip over the beasts just for now, just for, just for brevity. Verse 9 says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Are you seeing a, are you seeing a trend there? There's fire. Fire represents, usually in the Old Testament, judgment, actually. It's often judgment. In the New Testament, it's more also the flame of God, the fire of God, the burning, the passion of God. But in the Old Testament, it's a lot of it. It's, it's judgment. He's coming to judge sin. And, and issue righteousness. Righteousness coming forth, right? It said, A thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. So, this is a horn on, on the fourth beast. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So you see, judgment. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. So something happened at this point. Something happened that brought judgment and destroyed uh, the, the work of evil. There was, a, there was a, a cataclysmic event that happened right there that broke the power of these, of these beasts. I, I'm seeing the cross right there. I'm seeing the cross entering in, in the background. It says, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So in other words, there's a waiting after that. And it says, then I was watching in the night visions. And so this is carrying on watching. And behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom 
that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. That's good news. Can you see that? So it's like you have the cross. You have the victory of the cross destroying the power of these beasts. And then right away, you have the Son of Man, Jesus, coming into being brought before the Father with the clouds of heaven, being given dominion and a glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And what we've been seeing in recent weeks as we've been looking at this is fresh dimensions if you like, of of who Jesus is. What it means, the fact that Jesus most often referred to himself as the Son of Man. This, This place of all dominion, this place of, hey, I'm the one who comes with the clouds, and I am going to come, but I'm also the one who's coming. It's not a one-time coming, and that's it. There's There's a coming that's on the way prior to. So we've been looking at this. Let's look at then, let's look at, clearly that's what, you know, that's how this passage is talking about the Son of Man, right? That's where that phrase comes from when Jesus says, I'm the Son of Man. He's referring back to this Daniel 7 passage. Have you got that? Yeah, Yeah, you're with me. So let's look, though, at how this is interpreted in Daniel 7. Daniel 7.15 says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. He didn't, he didn't quite get it. He was seeing things, and he didn't understand what he was seeing. How many of you have seen things and not understand what you're seeing? Yeah, we need, some, we, we, need, we need help to understand. I came near one of those who stood by, this is in his vision, and, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings or four kingdoms, which arise out of the earth. Okay? So that was the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the meaning of those beasts. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Did you see what he just said? The direct interpretation of that passage is the beasts are these kingdoms, but he doesn't say the Son of Man is Jesus, the Messiah, who's going to come and die for your sin and then break open the way and then be given the kingdom. He doesn't say that. The direct interpretation that the angel gives is that the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Just let that bend your brain for a minute because clearly he is talking about the Son of Man. He is talking about the one to whom all authority is given. And Jesus says, I am, who that, I am that person. But he's also... The direct meaning that's given for that passage is that's the saints. That's a people who are receiving all authority, all dominion, all power 
And he goes on. If you look at, look at it again, verse 22, it says, until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the who? The saints to possess the kingdom. Verse um, 27, then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the, yeah, to the people, the saints of the Most High. His, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So all of a sudden, it's a him again. It's a his kingdom, but it's a saint's kingdom. So right in, right there in the word of the Son of Man in Daniel is you. Right? It's just like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when he was still known as Saul. On the road to Damascus, Jesus appears in his glory and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Jesus was saying, why are you persecuting me? When what Paul was doing was persecuting his body. So Jesus, in Jesus' mind, you really are his body. You are his fullness. You are his body. So that when, when, when there's persecution, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And so that in the scripture, here in Daniel, now this, has been, this, this passage has been mind-blowing enough in terms of who Jesus is as the Son of Man. But what I don't want you to walk away from today with is some idea that the Son of Man is at the right hand of God and therefore nothing to do with you. Because the direct interpretation of Scripture of who the Son of Man is, is one, the ones who are the saints. Because you are in union with Him. You ain't going to get there without Him, no doubt about it. But you are the fullness of Him. That's amazing. Are you hearing me on this? Can you, are, you, are you tracking? Because if there's separation between you and who Jesus is, then, then you're going to be looking for someone else to do something. You're going to be looking for Jesus to do something. While, while all the time you're just over here doing something else. But if you have... This inside you, that you are, you are the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus fills all in all. He has all authority. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. But he, when he sees you, he sees his fullness. So if you are... If you are outside the body, and you know you are outside the body, the body of Christ, you are outside, then get in the body today. If you are operating independently 
of what's flowing down from the head through the ecclesia. He's, he's appointed first apostles in the, in, the, in, this, in the church, in the body. First apostles. So that's the most important thing from the setting up what flowing down from the head is, is authority flowing from first apostles. If you are outside of the body, then get in the body today. Get in the body. If you're wondering about where should I, where's God placing me, then, then find out quickly where God's placing you. If it's here, be all in here. Don't be half in and half out. If you're here, be here. You know, because the amazing thing is, it's not enough for Jesus to be the Son of Man. In the economy and the plan and the purpose and the will of God, it is not enough for Jesus to be the Son of Man and Him not have a body. Because these are the saints are what He has in His heart and mind when He says the Son of Man. So that's the saints. Obviously, that word means holy, and that can put you off. You may not feel holy, but that goes back to what we were saying about death. That's the only way in. The only way to holiness is through your death with Christ, and that makes you holy. That makes you a saint. So that we actually become those who are his fullness. It's amazing. And it's just like what Caleb was saying about the day of power. He said, the day of power is not coming separate from men. How many of you are actually... What I want to, what I want to uh, shine a light on is disqualification. Right here. Where you, when I say God's plan and purpose is for you to be the fullness of him, you think, that's not me. Let me tell you, it is you. If you come in through that, through his death, that's it. That's the only qualification you need. Your lack of holiness is not a surprise to God. That's why he's done what he's done. So he has made a way for you to come in to be his fullness. So wherever there is things that are those dark thoughts that are coming in to say, oh, no, I've messed up. I can't do this. It's not me. I can't do this. I'm, I'm out of here. You don't know about this. You don't know about that. I tell you, 
God wants is calling you in. He is calling you in. And for those of us, if you like, who, who are, okay, you're not, let's say you're not struggling with that. Let's say you, you know, I, I, I believe God has, has called me in to the body. What that looks like, once you're in the body, what that looks like is discipleship. Right? So these two things work together. So you've got the revelation of who God is, the revelation of his cross. And then when you are in the body, there's that process of being sanctified. And let me let you into a little secret. Sanctification does not happen outside the body. If you are not in the body, you will not grow in becoming more of the fullness of God. You just won't. You're going to be self-deceived. Every day. You're going to be self-deceived about what's going on in your life and what's true. And what this person said and how they hurt you. You're going to be self-deceived. In the body, those things are broken off. And what it looks like to be in a place where you are growing in fullness is that you are being discipled. How many of you know that being discipled is not always easy? Being, being discipled is painful. Right? Being discipled is painful. How many of you know that the, the being discipled is important? I tell you, it doesn't, it, that's, this is the pattern, right? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call you up, but Pastor and Heather, we've been, been talking about these, these things. And, and you know, Jesus said, you know, when he was given all authority, he said, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples. That's, what, that's, that's the next step, people. The next step of what this looks like for fullness to be expressed on the earth is disciples being formed. First of all, you being a disciple. And what a, disi- what a disciple is is someone who says, you know what? I don't have it. Teach me. Form me. Because I, I, I don't have what it... I, I, I clearly don't get this, and I need some help. And I can see you've got a bit more than I've got, so give me what you've got. Right? It's not complicated. There is some trust required. And, you know, I am, I am so... What we have here in this church is so precious, I really believe, in terms of expressions of discipleship that raise people up. What the School of Formation, for example, that Pastor Pete and Lisa are, are spearheading here. This needs to multiply across the world. Right? But we can start here. Let's, let's multiply it in Michigan. Let's multiply it in a few other churches. Let's, let's multiply the raising up of, of, of people who are formed in the, in the gospel or formed in what it means to be the fullness of Christ. It's, it's, it's a precious thing to be a disciple. But it's not pleasant. 
It's not always easy to be formed, right? Why is that? It's because you're coming up against the real you with, with, with all the stuff that's going on in you. But that is where, that's, that's where you need the days of power to meet you at those places of need. Because you have a need. And, it's, and it's, it's because you've got a soul and a body. And God wants to see you be sanctified, be a greater expression of his fullness. Because he's connected you to himself and he wants to move through you to the earth. And that means working with you. So I encourage you to embrace discipleship. Embrace being discipled. Even if it is painful. Because that's going to break you out of your own self-deception about who you are, what you've got, what God said, what it all means. We need, I need discipleship to keep me moving in the truth of God. And there, I tell you something, there's more than enough power from God to meet you at the place of your need. Discipleship is, 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 is helping you come into alignment with his power to become more like Christ and come, come into a place of effectiveness, greater effectiveness, greater, greater fullness in his body. How many of you are up for that? How many of you are up for greater, greater expressions of discipleship in your life where you are being discipled. Just stand up. Let's, let's receive that. See, Pastor Heather, why don't you come up and join me? Oh, I tell you, this is, this is how power is going to come in greater measure in your life is actually going to come through you embracing discipleship if you are willing to accept it. Just lift up your hands right now. Thank you, Lord. Just say after me, make me a disciple. Take my heart. Form my life. Give me your words. I come under the authority of your body. I see you, Jesus, as the head. I, I am being formed by you. Form me through my, my disciple maker. Form me through my discipler. Make me like you, Jesus. I receive correction. I receive correction even if it's painful. Well, thank you. This is a house of power and a house of discipleship. You have, by your great mercy, given us this dynamic of the kingdom of God. Just how Jesus walked. He walked in great power and he walked in discipleship. So, Father, I just, I personally, I want to thank you for this. Yes. I thank you for this in my own life. Lord, thank you that you're discipling me, 
direct from heaven and you're discipling me through men and women on earth. I just, yes. I thank you. That you and your wisdom have designed things this way because you know how to do it. We don't know how to do it, but your plan is perfect. I thank you for the gift of discipleship. I thank you for these days of power. Yes. Lord, I thank you for these visitations. I thank you for these inbreakings of your kingdom and your presence and your power. And we just say, keep coming, Holy Spirit. Yes. Keep coming, power of God. Yes. We don't take this for granted. We don't get used to it. We don't be ho-hum about it. We're like, God, if we don't have this, if we don't have this, we, we got nothing. Like, like nothing. But with your power and with discipleship, we have everything we need to take this generation and bring the next generation along and to yes. have the generational transfer. And for everything that you're waiting for, that we're waiting for, that you're building in the earth through us, for us to be in the progression of your final coming. God, I ask that you'd release expectation and hope, the hope of a good future in the hearts and minds of every one of us. That you yes. would set our hearts, like, set our hearts and set our minds on the good things to come. There are so many good things to come. Yes. This is, this is, this is the pattern of scripture that in dark and evil days on the earth, the inbreakings of heaven display the good things to come. They yes. come and they're coming. So Lord, I even thank you for that we are born at this time and this time to be in this place in this time in our nation in a dark place in America's history. God, you have brought us and made us and aligned us with your kingdom to be here at this specific time because you knew who we were gonna be. You knew what kind of people we were gonna be. You knew how we were gonna be discipled. You knew how much power we'd be receiving and you'd be reconstituting us to be the ones that will bring the, be the instruments of your fullness on the earth, the instruments of revival, the instruments of the inbreaking of power. God, I want to thank you that you have constituted me to be a carrier of your power. Yes. To be an inbreaking. Yes. To be an inbreaking. Come on. Thank you that where I walk, you walk. Thank you that, God, your power is not separate. The power of the Son of Man having dominion and glory is not separate from me. Yes. That I can walk in and there can be a dominion breaking thing. There can be a power breaking thing. There can be a kingdom breaking in thing because you're in me. Lord, I pray that the separation that's in, in hearts and minds would be to be broken today. That we would understand to a whole new level our union with you. Yes. Not just in union with Jesus that's warm, but we're in, we're in union with the Son of Man. Come on. Like, watch out, guys. We're yes. in union with the Son of Man. Yes. We're in union with the one who's been given all authority. Yes. That will deal with some demons. Yes. That will drive some demons out of yourself. Your spouse, your family. Yes. Come on. Whatever's in your sphere, that'll do it because we're in union with that one. Lord, whatever Oof. fluffy Jesus we have, Lord, yeah. change us, turn us yes. upside down that we might know. He has all dominion. Therefore, all dominion is resident Come in on. me. I thank you for this. Yes. Lord, I thank you for demons leaving in my sphere. Yes. I thank you for this. Come on. I thank you for yes. this. I thank you for Christ being pushed in to people's lives, people's hearts, and the, and the evil leaving, sin leaving. We worship you, Jesus, son of man. We used your preferred term. Look, I just want to address you, Jesus, as the son of man. You preferred this. So I'm going to prefer this, the one who has glory and dominion and a kingdom. Lord, constitute us kingdom people in these days. Lord, let 2023 be a year of kingdom formation. 
Let, the, let every division that's between the cross and the kingdom come down. Like the divisions inside of us. Where we've known the cross, let there be kingdom. Like cross kingdom, cross kingdom, cross kingdom. One thing, one power released in us. Worship you, Jesus, son of man. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. We see you as the son of man. We see you. Lord, save us from a son of man language system. Yes. Like, save us from that. Yes. And let us have the dynamics. Mm. The dynamics of the son of man. Yes. Let us think dominion. Yes. Let us think kingdom. Let us think demons leaving. That's right. Let us, let us, let us have salvation dynamics. Yes. Rolling around inside of us, coming out of us, like yes. out of our pores, out of our eyes, yep. out of our hands and our mouths. When we, when we think, when the word son of man flits through our consciousness, yes. let us rise to wow. meet him. So there's greater authority coming to yes. you to dispel darkness, to dispel yes, demons right. out of your own life right. and out of the lives of those around you. Yes. Because you're connected to the one who has all authority, who is the Son of Man, right. who sat down at the right hand of the Father. And yes. Jesus is not looking at, 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 at himself as being, that's the end of it. He, yes. The Father is looking at the Son of Man as saying, there is, a, there is a people, there's a company, there are the yes. saints are inheriting yes. that authority and are expressing that authority. And yes. he's saying, go. Yes, he's right. saying, go. He's saying, go yes. in all authority. Yes, that's right. That's right. Some of you right now, you need to stop looking to your DFG leaders to be the ones driving the demons out. Yeah. Like, you be the one. Yeah. Like, you be the one. Sure, I can do that for you, but it'd be better if you did it for you. Yes. And you did it for the ones around you. Yes. Like, really? I don't... Like, my... My, my desire is I'm not the one doing it anymore, but you're doing it. Yes. I mean, I'll still do it, but you do it. Yes. All authority. All authority. Yes. We can't even understand that. That's yes. not a way to get that in our minds, but our spirit man. Yes. One with the son of man. Yeah. You're going to be so aggravated by demons this week. <laughs> you are going to be so aggravated by demons this week. Because you're going, to see, you're going to see them more clearly than you've That's ever right. seen them. That's right. Yeah. And you are going to express authority like you've never expressed authority yeah. before. That's right. Because you are yes. the saints yes. who are inheriting a kingdom. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. If you resonated with that word, just put your hands up in the air. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for greater levels of authority that are going to be expressed yes. out of us. Yes. Yes. Because we're so aggravated yes. by demons yes. and, the, and the devil and darkness that we have words in our mouth of authority yes. that are coming from you, Jesus, yes. because you're giving us authority. Yes. We're going to speak. Yes. We're going to speak yes. in your authority. We're going to kick demons out of our lives. Yes. Sin broken. That's right. Darkness kicked out. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. Because the Son of Man's not coming separate from you.
Unless you're outside the body. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. There's a re-upping for discipleship is here as well this morning. A re-upping for being discipled. I know I keep telling you to put your hands up, but if put your hands up. If you are, are being a re-upping this morning for being discipled. For being formed. For trusting that God is who he says he is and have placed people in places in your life, in authority, yes. to make you more like Jesus. That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Do this, God. Yeah, move. Holy Spirit, move right now. Move upon these people right now. They're their hands lifted to you and they're receiving you. Move. Thank you, God, for, for, for a wave of discipleship that's being released right now. Yes. Yes, just uh, over this people, I just declare a freedom from self-protection. Yes. Every place of hiding and self-protection, it's a, I want to just declare that's the devil's work. It's not permitted in this house. We, we will be open, trusting, adult, Thank you, God. mature people yes. relating adult to adult. Yes. With freedom to choose. Owning our own lives. God, I thank you for this gift of discipleship. Yes. Thank you, God. You know, re-upping for discipleship is a a thing. Yeah. We have to do it often. You know, because life happens. Things happen. Events happen. Circumstances happen. We have to choose often to be, okay, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to be discipled. I'm going to stay here and do this through the good times and through the more challenging things that we hit. Yes. Because we're going to be, we're going to be sanctified. Yes. Ooh. Thank you, God. You're going to be who you, you know, you can wait a year, you will not be the same. If you stick it out, you will be completely different. I can guarantee you in a year's time, you, if you stick, stick it through and be discipled, a year, you can be a completely different person. Yes. I know because that's happened to me. And I can look out and I can see your faces and some of you I've known for years and you're not who you were. In fact, I don't even remember, remember who you were. I just know who you are now. Yes. But you're not who you were. And we're not going to be who in the future who we are even right now. We're going to keep going, keep growing. So you may need to express something like that to someone in terms of your, your heart's desire to be discipled. Or you may need to take a step if you, if you know you're not being discipled right now. If you know you're not actually in a discipling relationship, where you're actually being discipled, you, you might need to do something. You might have to take, get, guess, yeah, amazing, right? Revelation, you might have to do something, right? It's not just going to happen with you watching Netflix. It's not going to happen. It, it, it's, you actually have to do something. And, and so, so if you need to take that step, take that step. Come and talk to Pastor Heather or myself or another, another pastor. Just come to us. Pastors here, raise their hands. Yeah. Uh, or if you're being discipled in another group, you need to, you're already in a group, but you know you're not being discipled. So whoever your group leader is, you might, I would, I would encourage you to go and express something. That this is, what's, this is what you're doing. 
Thank you, God. Ready? Ready to do some damage this week? Yes. King, the uh, dominion of darkness and bring some kingdom light in your lives. I am. Um, you know, you, can, you, don't, you don't have to be outside these walls for very long before you can hear some meet, meet, accusations. It's like... Let's do some, do some damage. Mm. Increase the brightness of the light. To close, there's one, one more thing I want to say. And I'm going to take a risk. <laughs> there in Psalm 31.5, King David says, into your hands... I commit my spirit. It's, that's, it's in the Psalms. Into your hands I commit my spirit. How many of you have heard those words before? How many of you know that's the last words of Christ on the cross, according to, to Luke? Into Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He, he, was, he, was, he was offering himself before God. He knew he was entering into death. And he used those words because Jesus up and right to the very end of his life put the word of God in his mouth. He was going to live the word of God to his final breath. His last words is going to be the word of God in his mouth. And he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, before that, before that, David had said it. And David had said it as a man. He'd said it. He wasn't taking his final breath. He was speaking it in perfect, pure expression of submission to God. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Just saying, God... And he knew that either his, hand, either, his, either his life was in the hands of God or his life was in the hands of his enemies. That's what he knew. He knew it was one or the other. He was either in God's hands. His whole life was in God's hands or he was subject to his enemies and he was in their hands. He knew that. And now, through Christ, we have both those realities because Christ has gone through the veil and he, and he perfectly fulfilled that scripture. He perfectly fulfilled that scripture and says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he died and then, and then Father raised him from the dead and raised us up with him. But first, you need to enter into his body in order to be raised up. So I want to call you this morning. Who you are in that place, either in that place where you know you don't know what it means to die with Christ, what it means to be co-crucified with Christ, as Galatians 2.20 says. But you know you need to. You know you want to and you are willing to. 
you are willing to come to him, come to the Father and say, together with Christ, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Oh, you're a teenager here or a younger person here. And you know your, fa- your parents' faith is not enough. And you know you need to take that step to say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You know you need to do that. Come forward right now. Come forward and we will pray for you. We'll release that knowing of, of your death with Christ right here. If you need to know that, come forward. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then more. Who, need to, who, who want to offer to say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I want to know what it means to die with Christ and know the end of my natural life. Thank you, God. Keep coming. Pastors, come forward. And before we, we're going we're gonna to pray with you. But before we pray with you, you repeat these words after me. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I give myself fully to you. I, I give myself fully to you. Jesus, I believe your death was enough. I come to you as my Savior. I come to you as my Lord. And I believe right now I am dying with you. My old man is gone. And I receive my new man in union with you. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's. We're gonna we're gonna pray with these. We're gonna pray with these ones that have come forward. Um, if you could, we're gonna end the service here. So have a great have a great week. Uh, just be in be in the spirit while you're here. While we while we just bring these to the Lord. Right. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed wrestling with the Word and the Spirit as you engaged with this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.metrodetroit.org. And have a great week.